1: Thursday, December 9th, 2021, this is your host for the Mike Abadir Show. I am Mike Abadir, and I am alongside my main man, Jamil Brown, better known as Pop DiBiase. And Jamil, this is one of those things, this is one of those time periods where there's a lot of cool sports going on. There's a lot of, you know, um, holiday festive spirit in the air and things of that nature. And a lot of people kind of have one foot in the sports world, one foot in their family world, and somebody else who's got a foot into something, and maybe a foot into the sport, maybe a foot out of the sport, might be Bob Baffert, uh, because of what's happened, unfortunately, with his Kentucky Derby winning horse, Medina Spirit. First off, Pop, how's it going, my man?
2: Oh, it's going good, man. What's you called? Um just just... Uh Another show, man. Uh, this is the third one uh, of t- today. You know, we have the NFL show, the regular show, and now I'm with you.
1: There you go, man. That's yep. that's how That's what it takes, man. That's what you know. You look at a lot of these guys that have become uber successful, and and you kind of look at the things that they did. And uh, I always marvel at the different paths different people took, whether it be like you're a sports writer for the San Jose Mercury News, like Skip Bayless. But the ones who get to the top the quickest are the ones that just get in the trenches and just do the work, man. And uh, that's always what I've admired about you. You're able to get in there and grind it out, bring the latest stories and opinions to everybody that wants to hear them. And I want to hear yours. So. Medina Spirit, obviously, uh, is the latest casualty of the Bob Baffert uh, Baffert barn, unfortunately. Um, Medina Spirit, for those who don't know yet, uh, had a um, heart attack, I believe, and uh, died on track after a training session at Santa Anita the other day. And, of course, we don't have any evidence. We don't have any proof, but Bob Baffert's guilty. Right, because Medina Spirit tested positive for a drug that's legal in California, that isn't legal in Kentucky, and that's where the positive test came in. Um, but in all fairness, even though that was a bit of sarcasm, you know, Bob has had a string of deaths in his barn for high profile barn. And let's keep in mind, let's be honest about it. I'm a big Bob Baffert fan. Okay. I'm kind of a Bob Baffert defender in some ways, but I have to look at this objectively and say he doesn't have the size of a barn of, like, Asmussen, right? Or Deodoro, or some of these guys, these mega barns uh, that have, you know, hundreds of horses spread across the country, uh, stabled at three or four tracks, and they're the main volume trainer at three or four tracks. No, Bob Baffert's relatively selective right he's looking to get the he's looking for grade one winners stakes winners high level stakes winners and the next derby horse right i mean so his his barn isn't fully loaded with a bunch of horses so when he has eight deaths out of a smaller ratio of you know horses people look and people ask and this is just another in a string of deaths so i've just kind of set it up at the surface now let's get into the meat of the meat and potatoes your reaction first of all to the unfortunate death of medina spirit the kentucky derby winner a horse that we've all really liked and rooted for
2: well i would say it's you first thought it's heartbreaking you know what i mean because you know the owners and bob and and jimmy and the whole crew, they put a lot of work into that horse. You know what I mean? And Medina Spirit is a is if the if you ever make a movie about a horse, even though his Kentucky Derby win is 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 questioned because of what happened in the test, this horse really is a feel good story because the horse was never supposed to be a Kentucky <laughs> at the Kentucky Derby. Uh, let's just all be honest he wasn't a million dollar Bob Baffert horse he wasn't even a six figure Bob Baffert horse he was a 70 80 thousand dollar horse that would have probably been a really good uh stable mate for horses that run around Santa Anita and Del Mar and all that stuff you know for the stakes races Bob would be in but no he he he, he, he was better than that and even though sometimes he didn't win the big races leading up to the uh, Kentucky Derby, he was all world that day, and the and everybody knew going into the race that nobody had ever passed Medina Spirit. So that's one thing that you can give him that his heart was tremendous, and it was a beautiful thing to watch. And it was just too bad that everything had to be tainted because it's just a little bit of a discrepancy. And usually it wouldn't be an issue in California, and that horse wouldn't have had an, uh, it wouldn't have been a problem. But Kentucky wants to really figure out a way to why are we getting, keep getting whooped by California horses? Because simply is, it's very, very obvious that since the California Chrome run that California has been destroying uh, the Kentucky Derby. Like I think that out that of since then, I think they've had at least 60, 70% of the winners for, uh, in that race. So, you know, Bob, I know a lot of people were going to jump on it because he's the he's the head honcho, the big winner, all that good stuff. And, you know, it, it's it sucks for him because he's not if if he, people feel like there's some, some type of extra things going on. He ain't the only one. That's my whole thing. And I just really feel bad about Medina Spirit passing away because I know those owners you know, had some big prospects for him as a four-year-old, you know, that's why we really was going to get to Medina spirit because Medina spirit was going to stick around and we hadn't had a Kentucky Derby winner stick around for a while. So man, that's what makes it really sad that he was going to stick around, put his, try to be in the classic, all that good stuff again. You know what I mean? And probably have a pretty good four-year-old campaign. That's what it looked like. It was geared towards. So, you know, I really thank thank the owners and Bob for trying to give us, you know, a Kentucky Derby champion that we can actually follow. follow. You know, we haven't had that since California Chrome. And I I think that his four-year-old year year was way bigger than his three-year-old year year because he was a rock star everywhere he went. But, you know, it was sad for Medina because he could never be a rock star because of what what, what happened. But all in all, though, I would say that it's a heartbreaking situation. But I say this to everybody who, who who wants to assume and speculate why the horse passed away let me just give you give everybody a heads up uh, the the physical the horse had no drugs in its system when it took the track that day. They had already piss test the horse a few times before um, the horse had uh, came into the um, in, before the horse trained because of the situation. So let's already go ahead and eliminate that from everybody's mind. But I think what what it could have caused it though was uh, the drug use as a two year old and maybe his heart being too big for his body and that's how it felt with a horse like that because he really really had a a big big heart
1: you just laid out quite a bit and I don't even know where to start so I'm actually going to pick a different starting point because I think you covered it pretty well a lot of this in my opinion and I'm going to say something that's probably going to be somewhat controversial but when you think about it it, well, it really, it really isn't when you think about it, man. I'll tell you why. Man, let me tell you something. You know how many people that I've heard with... I, I call bullshit. I call fake outrage, faux outrage on a lot of what I hear out there. Because all of a sudden, you have all these horse players that are supposedly like these animal lovers, right? You know, oh, poor horse. You got to do right by the horse. All this kind of stuff. Okay. Look, and I'm not saying everybody's like this, Pop. But have you ever been to the track and heard somebody who needs his horse to win and there's a horse ahead of his horse? And he says, die, die, mother effort, die, die, die. Right. Now, I don't know if he necessarily means for him to die. But I'll tell you this much. When I've seen somebody who's betting on a horse that breaks down, they say, F, man, my luck. They're not at all thinking like, oh, poor horse. They're thinking about their tickets. Right. And I've seen that way too many times to really all of a sudden believe that the horse racing community cares about horses so much. Right. And so a lot of this is BS outrage. A lot of this is haters on Bob Baffert. Now, with that said, I do believe that you got to do right by the horse. Right? Because they are entrusting us. It's like uh, it's like I have I have a dog. I have dogs. And they're having them part of the responsibility is to feed the dog and to take it outside to go to the bathroom. He's holding it in because he's made a deal with me. I'm not going to go inside, but you got to take me outside sometimes, right? To unload. That's the deal that I've made with the dog. That's the deal that we've made as owners with our pet. And so the deal that we've made, it's an unwritten deal, but it's a known deal that, you do right by the horse. It's going to run as fast as it can for you. You could teach it. You could train it. It'll learn. It'll listen. But everything that you do to the horse must be for the good to the horse. And so the question is, comes back down to if it's good for the horse in California, Why isn't it good for the horse in Kentucky? Right? I mean, if we're truly doing right by the horse, how can one jurisdiction say this is fine and another jurisdiction jurisdiction say say it cannot? It is not appropriate. It is not fine. It is against our rules. So I think the first problem that we're going to have here is they really do need to unify these rules across the board. There needs to be like a national governing body That says what levels are appropriate and what levels are not. That's the first and foremost. Because if we truly cared about the horse, we would come to an agreement as to these are the appropriate levels. And there wouldn't be different rules in Emerald Downs versus Evangeline Downs. In Santa Anita versus at Belmont. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Right? Because like I said, what's good for the horse is good for the horse. What's bad for the horse is bad for the horse. There isn't anything that says if it's good for the horse of Kentucky, it's bad for the horse of California and vice versa. That just doesn't make any sense to me. It shouldn't make sense to anybody. So that's the first thing that we need to do if we want to clean up this quote-unquote perception issue. right? As it relates to Medina Spirit, we know that that's how Medina Spirit got into the news because of exactly what I just laid out. Now, with that said... Uh, heart, horses get heart attacks all the time, Pop. Uh, yes, they do. It happens. So, I am not all of a sudden going to assume, because Baffert's had deaths in the past, that this was something of wrongdoing. I'm not going to assume that because Medina Spirit tested positive in Kentucky, that this death is the product of wrongdoing, or mis-drug allocation, mis-drug management. I'm just not. So unlike everybody else, I am going to reserve judgment until I find out more. And I know a lot of people listening are probably going to be like, oh, come on, Mike, don't be so naive. Oh, come on, Mike, don't be a Bafford defender. No, no. How many times have we heard something and immediately reacted and been wrong? Including the, the, the one story that's in the news right now, like Jesse Smollett, right? Right. Everybody bought his story right away, and then they found out he was full of ish, and he made it up. So, I mean, when when are we gonna learn to to really find out the facts before coming to, rushing to judgment? Right. So, I think a lot of this is bad for haters. That's kind of my bottom line.
2: And my whole thing is, why don't we just dedicate appreciating the horse for right now? You know, what I mean, let's not worry about the human element of the situation because it's sad all around. And, you know, that horse really, really was like the most active horse that you've seen on the big on the big stage. So, yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense that everybody's going to have reactions like this and everything. But just I think people need to just back back, breathe a little bit. And let the situation, as you just said, let the situation play itself out and we'll see exactly what's going on. But I think, though, at the end of the day, Bob Baffert will not be affected by by this. This is just going to be more people mad about stuff. You know, he's not going to be getting his license taken out of California. That's not happening. Okay, we can we can we can we can squash that right now. He's not getting his license taken out of New York. All this does is make it to where the new committee, yes, Mike, they already have a committee coming in place. Uh, they'll be reviewing things with Bob Bafford and him in Kentucky. I think that with Kentucky, I hate to be I don't want to sound like a whistleblower or something like that, but Kentucky can be fixed with a pay with a check. We both know this. Come on, Mike. That's how it's always fixed with all these people. And Bob Baffert will most likely have a horse in the Kentucky Derby first weekend of May. To be honest, I, I, I put money on it that that's going to happen. I know there's a lot of owners that are kind of hesitant on handing him over, you know, uh, horses and everything. But that's because those owners are still are still kind of fresh in the game or whatever they are. But at the end of the day, though, he has a stable of owners that trust him. And his owners are by far some of the richest in the industry. So there's no worries about Bob Baffert moving forward and them taking anything away from him. It's just fees, bro. It's just fines. And I know that sounds really bad right now. But at the end of the day, though, it's just the truth and the truth hurts. On
1: point with everything you're saying once again.
2: I thought for a second I wasn't even on the show. I thought I thought I thought the phone had dropped.
1: Hey man, you, what you're saying is so deep that I'm just like, I gotta I gotta really collect my thoughts here,
2: right? Because people got to understand, man, that Santa Anita is the to me Santa Anita is the lifeblood of horse racing right now. They're the only track that runs six months out the year. Them and Gulfstream, and those tracks are so important. You know what I mean? Because the New York tracks, you know how it goes in New York. You have Aqueduct the first half of the year. Then you got Belmont. Then you got you got different different entities, Laurel. And then you got you know, you got you're all around New York. But we know that Santa Anita is very important to the betters. And we know that they're not just going to be just getting rid of their 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 top of their top of the line. You know what I mean? They're not going to do that it's just not going to happen. You know what I mean? I know that, I know a lot of the haters wish it would happen, these smaller barns and everything like that, but they just got to deal with it at the end of the day. And he has trust from the biggest names in the industry. So it's not about people trusting him anymore. You know what I mean? It's just about how the public's going to perceive this and how they'll go about the the other part of it where you have the PETA people and all these people who have opinions about horse racing and, and don't and are never around a racetrack and do not n- know how it goes down and listen to say a bitter former employee. That's what we had to deal with at Santa Anita a few years ago when the horses were dying up there. True. Yep. And it True. was just people people who were just being mouthy, who were just just angry because they got fired. You know what I mean? And why did you get fired? You know what I mean? That's the question you ask. And usually they think it's not their fault, but it it usually is, especially in the horse racing business. Yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah.
1: No doubt about that. Totally agree. And I think that there's a lot that still needs to come out before we really can um, come to any logical conclusions here. So I think you kind of said it best. Let's just think positively about the horse and celebrate what it was able to accomplish in horse racing in a life cut short, unfortunately. And uh, Baffert will be dealt with accordingly. If there's something to be dealt with, it will be. I trust that that's the case. I think right now there's way too much attention on Bob Baffert and on the sport for them not to do the right thing. And if the right thing is a suspension, if it's taking his license away, that'll be done. If they find that there was no wrongdoing, which I have a feeling they're going to find out, uh, people are going to complain and call call bullshit. Um, but I don't think that we're going to have a sport in horse racing without Bob Baffert. I just don't. Who knows, man? Maybe in the same three-month period, we get rid of, you know, we don't have Gruden and and Baffert. Wouldn't that be something? Like, the two most highly visible individuals in each of their sports would be gone. Uh, I don't know if each of the sports is is going to be better for it or not. Um, obviously, Gruden had to go with some of the things that he said, uh, even though they were, like, 10 years ago. Uh, but Baffert, I think he's he's a mainstay, and he, I think he's got one thing that you mentioned that must be considered, which is he's got the backing of a lot of wealthy owners. A lot of those wealthy owners want to continue to
2: use him. You compared it to Gruden, but just think about this. Bill Belichick, how many times have they caught the Patriots cheating? True. True. Is Bill Belichick still employed by the Patriots? Yes, he is. Bob Afford is a Bill Belichick. John Gruden is just a – is John Gruden is who John Gruden is. You know what I mean? And John Gruden needed to stay in the booth. That's what he needed to do. That was the best best thing for John Gruden.
1: Yep, 100% agree. So with yep. that said, let's take our first commercial timeout. We'll come back. We'll close this up, wrap this up, uh, and, and we're going to move on to the National Football League right after this
3: follow us on twitter at voice america trn get the lowdown on guests new shows and your favorites that's voice america trn
4: want to play the ponies and win at winning ponies we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys trainers and handicappers the Winning Ponies radio show with John Inglehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in.
3: Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective topics about health and fitness movie reviews philosophy business tips and tactics spirituality positive thought current events and even more about your favorite host it's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com that's blog.voiceamerica.com the voice america press blog all access all the time
0: This is The Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to mike at show.com Now, back to this week's program.
1: Second segment on The Mike Abadir Show, we are joined by guest co-host, Pop DiBiase. We thank him, as always. And I think you make some really, really good points about the Medita Spirit situation, about, about Bob Baffert. During break, you are saying, you are commenting, he's too influential, let's just say, with the CHRB, the uh, governing body in California here. He ain't going anywhere anytime soon. They're not likely to find any kind of wrongdoing in this situation. Um, you pointed out that inside information that you received which is that the horse didn't have anything in its system at the time of death so this is like a 48-hour news cycle issue and then it goes away that's my take on it
2: me too and it's just the only thing that's going to be brought up is when we get to kentucky next year they'll bring it back up again yeah of his spirit he would have been they would have talked more heavily about him in the uh, breeders cup they totally look past him You forgot that he was the Kentucky Derby winner in that race because they were so high on other horses in that race. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and they were just so in love with what Brad Cox was doing. So it is what it is at the end of the day.
1: Well, but what's interesting this year is that, or this coming up Triple Crown Series, is that he's not going to be allowed in New York. So he's been banned by Naira. If he's not allowed to run in Kentucky... Then it's instead of a triple crown, it's a one crown for Bob Baffert this year. He's just going to run uh, in the Preakness, and that's it.
2: Right, but you know, there's ways around that as well, too. You know that, right? Well,
1: we'll see how that goes.
2: Right, because there's always ways around that. Because sometimes when they send these horses back east, you know, what I mean, it, that trainer's name will still be on it, but the, it's under the care of another trainer. And so, if they run into a situation like that, they can just switch names. It's all. You know what I mean? Because if if this if this is to happen, then what happens is then Jimmy Barnes takes over as the uh, as as the filling for uh, Baffert. They're not gonna go without you know sending a horse over there. They'll just change train trainers when they get go over there. You can do that. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? As long as that trainer has a license in that state, they'll be fine. So we'll see how it goes. And I thought that he was good in New York. I thought New York said, "Okay, we were gonna we we were banning you from like Belmont, but you can still come." I didn't know that New York still was keeping that 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 going right now.
1: No, you might be right because I actually, I saw some Baffert runners in in New York, uh, I think last weekend or something. So you right. might be absolutely right by that, which would right. make even less sense. By the way, like you're allowed in New York, but you're not uh, in the Belmont, or I, I don't I don't really know. So I, I'm I'm appreciative of you bringing that up because I may have misspoke. Uh, if somebody has some clarity on that, feel free to hit us up and let us know what the situation exactly is for Bob Baffert in the state of New York.
2: We both know N- NYRA is the last pe- people that need to be trying to ban anybody because they only report horses' deaths. You know that, right? They only have to do that. <laughs> so, yeah. you- a lot of people don't even know how many horses die a day up at Belmont, Aqueduct, and countless places. You know what I mean? And they, they don't know because they don't have to report it. So there's that.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much, man. I mean that's that's very telling, by the way.
2: All I can say is that you ain't gonna be holding no you ain't gonna be holding the white haired wizard back.
1: No way, hell no. no way. Nobody is.
2: It's just it's just not gonna happen. Because if you do, if you gonna take him out, you gotta take everybody out. <laughs> you really do, because I don't think Bob did as bad did as bad on horses as Jason Service and uh, Rudy Rivera. They no. killed Xy Jet, come on, man! Well, Xy Jet's one of the best sprinter- sprinters you will ever see.
1: Or Jorge Navarro?
2: Yeah, Jorge Navarro. I'm sorry. They're about they're out the game right now. Yep. And but they 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 they, they were abusive. It's different. They were abusive, you know. A little bit of something getting found is 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 light light change compared to what those two were doing to those horses. Absolutely. Yep.
1: So, so let me ask you this before we uh, move on to the NFL. What have you heard, or what do you sense, the other prominent trainers? Let's just say in Southern California at first are thinking about this situation are they kind of looking at it like you know what we we hate bob but we want him to prevail on this that way we don't subject ourselves to a lot of scrutiny or we like bob and he didn't do anything wrong or is it you know what bob or not he needs to go down like where do you think is it do, do you think they're personalizing it and like looking at it like you know this could really affect us dramatically you know we're gonna all unify and band together in this fight. Where, where do you sense it's at?
2: I think they're on a fifty-fifty bag, to be honest with you. Because you, I think the older brass is right behind them, and the younger group of guys are might be. And I'm not, I'm not quoting anybody when I say this, so let's not let's not jump to conclusions or anything like that. But I would say if you're a younger trainer you might have some 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 stipulations some get back with that but when you're if you're an older older trainer older party you might just say that's just the game and eventually if this were all but this will be all water under the bridge you know what i mean but i would think that if anybody would have the trainers band behind him it would probably be bob baffert but I know one thing, though, that he doesn't have a, you know, there's there's people that smile on your face and hate you behind your back. You know what I mean? And I think that he deals with that on a daily basis. And um, I, I think that everybody is just pretty much trying to make sure that they have their stuff uh, situated at this moment in time. But I think that if you were a trainer that was real gung-ho about trying to take out Bob Afford, it's because you don't win enough. You know, because the winners aren't aren't worried about it. They want Bob Baffert out there because they want to go against the best. You know what I mean? Because it makes their horses the best. And it makes sure that when their horses go out of state and win these stakes races, just like Bob's horses do, it's because they went at it with Bob's horses. Ask John Sadler that. That's what, why his horses are always so ready to roll because he always puts them up against one of Baffert's, uh, one of his top guys up against Baffert's top guy. And that's how it always works with those two
1: very true. Yep. Okay. So let's move on here to the National Football League. A quick uh, item of note is that Dalvin Cook is going to be active and playing tonight for Minnesota, by the way. I know a lot of people that are going to be listening to this are going to be listening over the weekend, and that will be a moot point. But it is a, a significant uh, injury to probably one of the top three running backs in the National Football League, so it's newsworthy. And look, this game is going to have some effect on the AFC North standings. I was on your show yesterday and you pointed out that might be the most competitive division in football. Every single team in that division is above 500. So they got the Pittsburgh Steelers going up against the Vikings tonight in what should be a uh, a, a fun game to watch. It's not, you know, two teams that are, you know, 12 and 2 or 12 and 1 going up against 10 and 3 or anything like that. But the Steelers are a tad above 500 65 and 1. The Vikings are a tad below 500 5 and 7. So this game is going to have some meaning in these standings for both these divisions, but especially for the NFC North, I believe, because I think the Packers probably have the uh uh sorry, I meant the AFC North. Uh the and the Packers probably have the NFC North kind of on lockdown anyways. Uh, Moving on. So that's that's the big news and note for today. Um, I want to talk about something we talked about yesterday, which is the AFC West might be the most interesting division in football, maybe the best division of football. And you were kind of making a case for why the Chargers could be a team that could steal that division. Give us some of your reasoning for that again on this show.
2: I'm going to tell you like this right now, and I talked about it on my show when we talked about uh, on my NFL show when we talked about the Giants and Chargers game. Now, one thing about the Chargers is is that they are a savvy team. Now, they might not win consistently enough, consistently to the point to where people like it, but them getting off to that 4-1 start, was was exactly what they needed to do. It would it, it would have been ugly right now if you'd have seen this team being six and six. You know what I mean? And you look at this Chargers team; they have everything to love moving forward. They have what who I see, and he doesn't get enough credit for it. He is the best quarterback in that group um, from the group that he was drafted with with um, Tua, and um, pretty much that's where. I, so. Check number one. He's the best. Uh, he was the best rookie in that draft, peer, peering point blank. I'm trying. I, I'm drawing a blank on who was drafted first because I know that we had who was drafted first in that draft. Burrow, yeah, Joe Burrow, the guy that he beat up on this weekend. Yep. So pretty much, um, you have Herbert, who moves and goes about the game like a quarterback that a lot of us grew up watching, either loving or hating. He reminds me so much of John Elway. It's so sick to me how the Broncos missed on this kid. Honestly, it seems like he's supposed to be a Denver Bronco. But the thing is, he's exceptional. He can run, he can pass. But the thing that really gets me excited about the Chargers is the best, one of the best wide receiver duos in the league. You have Keenan Allen, who's literally like Chris Carter, 2.0, catches everything thrown his way. And then you got big game Mike Williams. He does everything that USC Mike Williams was thought to do, and he goes up there and goes about it just like a baby moss. So if you throw the ball up in the air, Mike Williams is going for it. And then they have other receivers that are um, there as well, too, that are absolutely tremendous studs. And then on the defensive side of the ball, whenever he's healthy, Joey Bosa one of the best defensive ends in uh, football and Derwin James, one of the best um, uh, DBs in football as well too. So there's a lot of things that work out in the Chargers favor. What would make everybody more excited about the Chargers is consistency. We all know that, but they're a big game team. And I like that. You know what I mean? And I feel that they can steal the AFC West. I know everybody is so comfortable with Kansas city. But why would you be comfortable with a team that that, that is, that's not throwing 30 on the board anymore? Yeah, the defense is actually, you know, the defense was the problem in the beginning. Now the offense is stagnant. So I don't know. I don't know if this team is a Super Bowl team. Because what happens when people figure out how to attack that defense again? You know what I mean? And then they're in trouble. So I really do feel like the Chargers, man. Can be a team that can really shake things up, and I think that they have a better future right now than the than the team that they rent to. That's the Rams, and I think that their coach may have a better, uh, it has a firm grasp on that job right now. Unlike I don't know about Sean McVay anymore because the thing is the Rams are in a ring or bust situation right now, and they're not bringing back half those guys they signed in the middle of the year. So we can just already get ready for that part right there. So they weren't they weren't here to to be Hollywood divas. They were here to help the Rams win a Super Bowl. And the Chargers are team building right now. And the Super Bowl would be well, playing a Super Bowl would be great, but that's not their biggest aspiration. They know that they're team building. They're trying to become a team that can be a force in the city of Los Angeles and get themselves a growing fan base. So, man, I'm telling you, the Chargers are nothing but positivity moving ahead. I don't care what anybody says.
1: What about the Raiders? Raiders? Where, where do they go from here? Do you, do you think they their their I'm, momentum is completely stripped and gone? I'm
2: going to be honest with the Raiders. The Raiders are like when you have a company and now the supervisor has been fired and we haven't hired a real supervisor, so we're going to go get the janitor to go ahead and run, run the show, but everybody <laughs> just knows, superv- <laughs> okay? Because we have other people here that can work with you, but we're going to put this guy in charge because... This is the guy that Mark Davis can yell at. He can't yell at Gus Bradley. He can't yell at uh, Tom Cable. But he can sure yell at Rich Basaccia. But I think the Raiders, with the leadership of Carr and those two bookends on the defensive side, they go as far as those guys go. And I think the Raiders are set up for... A good position because they're playing a lot of teams that are in the play in the playoff race as well too. But the Raiders have to be consistently winning. I think that the Raiders are just trading off wins and losses way too much at this point. Since they went three and zero to start the year off, they're three and six. So they're, they're it's it. I don't. I think that they're ready for the season to be to be over. But they're going to stay competitive though.
1: Well, what what if they beat the Chiefs this weekend?
2: Well that's my And it's dog. not
1: it's not an impossibility, right? I mean they beat them in Kansas City last year. So what if they repeat the same thing? They would then be seven and six and the Chiefs would be eight and five.
2: Well, so they'd be
1: one behind in the win column.
2: Well, that's my dog better the week at plus three twenty five. And last year I had him at plus three forty and it raised all the way up to four forty by the kickoff. So I'm very confident in the Raiders pulling off a big upset because I think uh Kansas City's due for a loss. It's that simple.
1: Well, so if they did that, they'd be right back in the thick of things, right? Yes, sir. They would be right So I mean, the best way to stop bad momentum is to generate good momentum.
2: Right. Seven and six. But I think that them and the Broncos are going to be at each other's hip the whole year. Because they're like the same team, but the Raiders are the better team in in that regard to me. Because they have the better quarterback.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. If they get to the NFL, they will have deserved. I mean, they get to the NFL. If they get to the playoffs, they will have deserved to do so because they got some of the NFL's, you know, I'm not going to say best teams, but at least above average teams. They, after Kansas City, they've got Cleveland over there, Denver at home, Indy over there, and they closed with the Chargers. So if they get to the playoffs, it will be very well-deserved. You know what I mean?
2: Right. But I don't know if the Raiders, and see, you just ran up that schedule. I think the Raiders might be in for just one win. After this, you know what I mean. So I think this could be their signature win for the season. I hate to be like that about the Raiders, but everything just went to went. Everything just went to the left. We got a little excited when they had those first two games without Gruden, and then you lose the kid, and it's over with.
1: Well, look, they have two losses that to me are inexcusable. Right. One is Chicago at home, and one is the New York Giants over there. Thank you. No reason that they should have lost either of those games. Now, and if they just Washington. win one of them, even just one of those games, they'd be seven and five right now.
2: Right, you shouldn't lose the Giant, and you shouldn't have lost the Washington game either. Or Washington. Yeah, you definitely shouldn't have lost the Washington game to me because that was just bad uh, clock management. That was just bad. There was a lot of bad things that happened in that game.
1: Yeah, two-point loss, 17-15 at home. Uh, They had the lead with seconds left in the game. Absolute, absolutely devastating loss. Pop, let's take our final commercial timeout, and we'll wrap it up with some more NFL talk right after this.
4: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers.
0: channel
3: find out what's happening on the voice america talk radio network by keeping up with us on twitter you can find us at voice america trn
4: streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com.
0: This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to mike at the themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program.
1: Back at the Mike Abadir Show. Hey, we don't really talk too much uh, entertainment industry stuff or or, uh, politics. But uh, of note, the uh, jury has found Jesse Smollett guilty on five of six counts for uh, lying uh, in his, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, race baiting attack <laughs> in Chicago. So um, uh, the best to, to Jesse as he navigates the murky waters when it comes to this stuff that he tried to pull off here. So uh, not 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 too smart, unfortunately. So let's. Let's get back to sports, which is what we're paid to do, which is what we have the knowledge to talk about. And we were talking about the Raiders and their ability to get back into this race. They're 6-6. So, I mean, they have the same record as a team that many people were high on going into the year, which is the Cleveland Browns. So... If before the season started, I had told you that after 12 games, the Raiders would have the same record as the Cleveland Browns and as the San Francisco 49ers, would you have taken that as a Raider fan? Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so that's where they're at right now. That's where they're at. 6-6 and with the same record as the Browns and the 49ers. And I bring up the 49ers because a lot of people felt if they were healthy this year that they would, you know, be be back amongst the contenders for the NFC West. Uh, Big props to Arizona because it looks like they've got that on lockdown, that division on lockdown. They've got a two-game lead with five to go. And by the way, I must toot my own horn in our NFL prediction show. I did have the Arizona Cardinals as the division winner. I also said that there was a chance for the whole division to get to the playoffs, and right now it does look like three out of the four teams could very well make it into the NFC
2: playoff uh, tournament. So, uh, real quick, real yes. quick, Mike, sure. If if Seattle can win five in a row and they both finish nine and eight, because you know everybody in the uh, NFC has a losing record after who's in the playoffs, right? So yep. Other than Washington six and six. So riddle me this. If you can have if they can run the table and they wind up with the same record as San Francisco, the Seahawks can backdoor this thing. So Seattle, there is a chance.
1: <laughs> there is a chance. You could make my prediction there come true. Chance. You can make my yeah. prediction come true, which is which is that the NFC West was gonna be the first division to send every single team in the division into the playoffs. Uh crazy prediction. But as you pointed out, it is a possibility. And hey, let's talk about Seattle for a minute because what happened, man? Like, okay, I've never felt that their defense was great or anything, right? But what about the high-powered offense? I mean, I re- legitimately thought that Lockett and company were going to each be able to have like 12, 1300 yards receiving times, maybe even three receivers over there. And the Russ was gonna have a, you know, crazy good MVP like season. And it looked that way initially, and then it all went off a cliff. What happened in Seattle?
2: No running game. When you gotta go get a hundred year old Adrian Peterson to be your running back, and you got plenty of uh, able-body running backs in the league that are much younger and much fresher, then you know you taking two steps back. You just over here trying to just Trying to get that old thing back, and I think what happened was when Russ went out, the the offense just wasn't the same anymore. And I think that by not having a great running game and having a mediocre offensive line has put the uh, Seattle Seahawks in a bad spot. And Russell had already mentioned this before going into the season, you know, when he was pounding the table to make sure that they signed Dwayne Brown, which became kind of an issue with that team, and I think that they never got off on the right foot, even though they did when they're opening 28-16. to 16. The, This is for the betters. If you've been betting the under on Seattle all year, you are sitting very pretty. They've went under in 10 out of the 12 games they played in this season. So there goes to show you that that's where the offense is at. And, you know, the defense ain't really great, but the defense has figured out how to keep but they figured out how not to have teams score 35 points on them again. You know what I mean? It's all up. To, it's just offensive woes holding up the uh, Seahawks. But I think the Seahawks, after what happened last Sunday, they, they might be able to resuscitate this thing. But it it, it it has to start now because I think with eight losses now with the extra game, that isn't bad. But I think once you lose nine or ten games, it's over. You, you, you stop thinking about it. It's all about what's going to happen next season. But I think if you're at the eight mark now, it's like being it's like being at the old seven mark from before. And I think if you're at the eight mark, you should be in a good spot to make a good run. I've seen it before, but I think that they'll be probably come up short because they do have a tough schedule. They got another one with the um, they got another game with the Cardinals, and they have another game with the Rams. So that they're gonna lose one of those. So, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it checks out. But Seattle, um, I think it's just time to rebuild this thing. And I think that Russell uh Wilson is playing his last season in the Northwest as well, too. I think he's ready for Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> Very well Broadway. good Really T neck New Jersey, but who who who's really paying attention, right?
1: <laughs> right, right, right again, Pop. I'll, I'll say this much. Uh, by far, in my opinion, the most entertaining married couple in the NFL. More so than Brady and Giselle. Russ and his wife are the premier couple in the NFL.
2: Well, that might be the problem with Russ. That's why he keeps coming up short. He's so into his wife, you know. Which I think Brady gets inspired by his wife. She, I think she talks a lot of trash to him. Like, you old man, you you are no good. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean you know, gets them motivated and stuff, you know? And it is what it is. And, um, you know, pretty much, I think, and I, I, but I do have to agree with you because they come in as a duo. Every time you think about Giselle and Tom, it's just that you always think about her first. You know what I mean? Because that's she's the more famous of the two. You know what I mean? And I... And I know it's like, how is he more famous than Tom Brady? Come on, dude! Swimsuit model. It's that. It's very simple. You know what I mean? Bra- Brazil. Very simple. And we have to understand that just because women in America watch football, that doesn't mean that they watch football all, all over the world. Okay. I've
1: always been of the opinion, Pop, that if right. you are known on a first name basis, Prince, Madonna, etc that you are at the top of the world in terms of fame. So if I said out of the blue, hey, what do you think of Tom? You're going to say Tom who? Right. But if I say
2: Giselle, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Right. So, you know, and Sierra, we so proud of Sierra because, you know, she was a in, in the hip-hop world and everything like that, uh, famous R&B singer and all that good stuff. And, you know, um, Russell was able, her and Russell met each other at a very good time in life. And you know what? They've been a perfect, they've been a great duo. You know what I mean? But I know one thing, though, I think the city of Seattle's a little, they're not tired of it, but I think that everybody's good with moving on now. I think Russ is just in, in a position now where if he goes to, uh, say, a New York Giants, it can be all good for him. If I was a Giants, I would love to make that deal right now. I mean, give me Russell Wilson, I'll send you Daniel Jones. Because Daniel Jones is not a bad quarterback. It's just that there, it's a, it's a toxic situation, and it's a terrible coach. And I've told people since about week six that Judge is on the way out. The uh, Giants coach, he doesn't have control of the team.
1: I completely agree with you, but I'm not sure that the Mars are going to make a move just yet. But we will uh, wait and see on that one. I think it's kind of hard to judge, judge because of the number of injuries for the receivers and skill position guys for the Giants. It's hard to evaluate Daniel Jones. But I agree with you, I think he's a better quarterback than people realize. And so uh, that'll, that'll be they'll have an interesting offseason to contend with. But sticking with this season, the NFC does not have a lot of intrigue in terms of the division winners. I'm not saying all of these leads are insurmountable, but the Cowboys probably win that division. The Packers are for sure winning their division. They've got a four-game lead with five to go. The Bucs, uh, they're going to take it in the NFC South. And the Rams could make things interesting, but right now the Arizona Cardinals have a stronghold on the division with a two-game lead. So the division races really are in the AFC. Um and it's interesting to me that every division has just like a one-game separator between first and second, except for the East. And it isn't the Buffalo Bills. It's the Patriots. How the hell are they r- rattling off seven in a row and having the best record in the AFC? It's Man, all Bill Belichick.
2: Look at, but look at who they play, too, in, in that run. You know, they they did draw Cleveland. They drew the Chargers, but that's it. Everybody. Well, knows-
1: they put a whoop down on Buffalo. You can beat, huh? They they the, they sprayed a can of whoop ass on Buffalo.
2: Well, that they didn't spray no can of whoop ass on Buffalo. They fourteen to eleven is ass whooping,
1: My- dude. They controlled both sides of the ball
2: big time. I'm gonna tell you who who would beat the Bills on Monday night. It was that driving rain and that win. That's that's what beat the Bills on Monday Night Football. I think yeah, but I'm up, not
1: even looking at the final score. I'm looking at the way they controlled the game. There wasn't a doubt in my mind that the Patriots are going to win that.
2: Well, the Bills missed a field goal uh, late and they also, you know, couldn't get a touchdown late as well either. So they had an opportunity to win the game. So that's what I think would be when, you know, you, when I think a team's getting whooped on, you don't have an opportunity to win the game. You know what I mean, but I understand exactly what you're saying. They got out physical. I know what you mean, Mike. So pretty much, um, you well, know, they I,
1: also beat the Titans, not score wise. That was a, a can of whoop ass, thirty six to thirteen.
2: You ain't got Derek there either. You know what I mean? So with that that I think Derek Henry. Well, then who? Well, then who who would impress you? Okay, they beat the Titans and the Titans, but the Titans are kind of going through it a little bit. I would say their most impressive win on the uh, in the group was the Chargers because they can't tell Lane did that. You know what I mean? And the Chargers that was a game the Chargers were supposed to win straight up. You know what I mean? And they did. So, you know, but I'm not taking anything away from Bill Belichick or the Patriots at all because he's taking advantage of of his 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 total uh, experience of being who he is. That's the damn that's the general of the nfl if you had a a usa team that played in the olympics with football who do you want to run that team bill belichick man and belichick is doing his is doing the thing and i do and it it befuddles me as well too that the patriots are here but i think it's smoke and mirrors mike to be honest well
1: that's that's an interesting point and on that note we're gonna have to close shop here unfortunately that's all the time we have for this week thank you for listening everyone thank you for tuning in We will see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone.
0: Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.